Easter is supposed to be a fun-loving time of year. A time where the kids go out and find their eggs and treats, and a time for the family to come together and enjoy themselves. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. In this one, we're going to be sharing some allegedly true and downright creepy Easter horror stories. Like I said a second ago, Easter's supposed to be a fun time of year. But what happens when the Easter Bunny turns out to be more than just a fun-loving myth for the family? If you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to send in your story at swampdweller.net. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going. Be sure to hit that like button, give this podcast a 5-star rating, and share it with your friends to help the swamp keep growing. Now, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true Easter horror stories. This event happened when I was maybe six or seven years old. I lived in a two-bedroom apartment. I shared a room with my older brother, and my dad slept in the other room directly across the hall from ours. We had a bunk bed futon that sat in front of the door. I had the top bunk and my brother slept on the futon part. I remember I had this irrational fear that if I slept with my head facing the door and my feet towards the closet in our room, that monsters would eat my head and feet respectively. So, I always slept with my head facing the closet. This is only important because my brother slept in the opposite position as me. It was early in the morning on Easter, I would say sometime between 3 and 4 a.m. Something woke me up. I do not know quite what it was. But, out of dead sleep, I just sat up and investigated the hallway towards my dad's room, where his door was only open ajar. The darkness was fuzzy, but I remember distinctly seeing bunny ears start poking from the corner. The hallways were like an upside-down L shape, where the corner turned, it was met by the kitchen and adjoining living room. I was honestly excited because, Easter Bunny, the ears became longer, and then a bunny face popped up. And then, the bunny became larger. What stood about four feet began to stand as tall as the ceiling. Within just a few moments, it was a full-fledged bunny figure. I remember, it was wearing plaid and had bright red eyes. I was not scared until it smiled. It had tons of large, razor-sharp teeth. I did not know until this point my brother saw it too. Because as my young brain was processing this, I heard him whisper from below, You see that too? And then we both screamed. A moment later, my dad comes bursting out of his bedroom right through this demented bunny. Think Frank from Donnie Darko. And it just suddenly was gone and disappeared into thin air. My dad claims he never saw a thing and scoffed at us for making up such a dumb story to be awake early for Easter. My brother and I still talk about this event and it has been well over 20 years. We just cannot explain it, and neither of us has had really any spooky events after that. This event took place quite a few years ago, so unfortunately, I do not remember everything that happened, but I do remember nearly all of it. Anyways, this happened when I was around four or five years old on Easter Sunday. 
My family always gathers at my grandmother's house to celebrate holidays, birthdays, etc. So, as we do every holiday, my mother and I started our hour-long trip to her house. My mother prefers to live away from all the city commotion, which explains the long drive. We were probably around 20 minutes away from our destination when my mom noticed that we were a little low on gas. So we pulled into this old, almost rustic-looking gas station with just a handful of customers inside. It was red and white with a few festive decorations outside and lots of Easter stickers on the two large glass windows that were on either side of the door. My mom has taught me not to talk to strangers nor open the car doors for anyone, but she trusted me enough to leave me a car alone as she went inside briefly to pay for gas. She told me that she would be right back before going into the gas station. It felt nice that day so the windows in the car were down so we could feel the breeze while driving instead of using the AC. While I was waiting for my mom, I remember adjusting the colored paper clippings in the Easter basket next to me. Then, I look out of the backseat window. When I looked over, I saw a tall, older man, maybe around 30 or 40 years old, approaching my window. He crouched down slightly and looked at me. Hi there, what's your name? I remember him saying. At this point, I remembered that I was not supposed to talk to strangers. So, I told the man that I'm not supposed to talk to strangers, according to my mother. He then replied with, Well, we can be friends then. My name's Charlie. And now that you know, I guess I'm not a stranger, huh? At the time, I thought he was right. In my mind, I thought since a stranger is someone you do not know, this man was no longer a stranger because I knew his name. The man and I had a short conversation that I don't quite remember. All I remember is him telling me that I had a nice Easter basket. At this point, I started to get a sick feeling in my stomach. But being a child, of course... I didn't really know why. My mom then walked out of the gas station and noticed the man immediately and began approaching the car quickly asking the man what he thinks he is doing. The man seems to panic and pulls my door handle violently. He quickly realized that it was locked, thankfully, and proceeded to reach in the window and grab me by one of my wrists and attempted to pull me out. This obviously scared me a lot, causing me to panic and pull against him. This caused him to let go and take off running. My mom quickly ran to the car and I unlocked the doors. She grabbed me and pulled me in an honest, painful bear hug. Then, inspected me closely, repeatedly asking if I was okay. I ended up with slight bruises and redness on my arm where he grabbed me, but other than that, I was just shaken up. The reality of what had just happened set in at this moment, and I remember just crying and holding on to my mom right after I said I was okay. I do not remember anything after this point, but I recently asked my mom about it, and she said that she called the police immediately after. To this day, my mom still says that this was the most frightening moment of her life, and claims that if she had gotten there any later and came back to an empty car, she would not have been able to live with herself. This past Easter, my dad, a pilot for a cargo shipping company, was in town and offered to take me across the inlet for a nice dinner. As his co-pilots were away with their families, they were also invited to join, and gladly did. While I waited for them to validate their tickets in the ferry terminal, I spotted an unlikely duo standing by the door. Two guys, late 20s at most, one large and oafish, and the other shorter and movie star gorgeous. I looked just in time to see Oaf nod in my direction, and MS makes a face that can only be described as meh. I'd mess with her after a few beers. 
They stood close to us in the terminal. Keep in mind, this ferry carries hundreds of people at a time, and I told my dad about the nod. He laughed and continued talking to his co-pilots next to us. Every time I looked over, MS was already looking at me. I shook my head. We sat on opposite ends of the ferry, Oaf and MS debarking before us. I was glad they were gone. We walked up the street from the terminal to the restaurant, and when I turned back to take in the view of the city across the water, I was surprised to find the duo had somehow ended up behind us and were slowly walking up the street. I tried not to think too much about it. It was a busy area and a lot of pubs were around. I did think about it a little bit more when they walked by the restaurant, peering intently into the front window where we were standing waiting for a table. They smile, exchanged words with each other, and kept moving. I let out a sigh of relief until they walked back from the opposite direction. They stopped. They leaned on a bike rack in front of the restaurant for a few minutes and then left. MS stared at us the entire time. Over dinner, I informed my dad and his co-pilots of the events that transpired without them even realizing it. They laughed about it and eventually had me laughing about it too. We would never see the pair of guys again. Three hours later, as we waited for the return ferry, I was talking to our company, recounting a story from earlier at dinner, when I spotted Oaf and MS over my dad's shoulder. MS was looking my way, scratch that, staring at me. I quickly informed the guys. They were shocked and kept looking back at the pair. There was a miniature showdown in the ferry terminal as each party stared at each other from opposite ends. I ended up getting a three-man escort home that night. I'm not saying this is the scariest story ever, but damn, that sure ruined my Easter. So this story goes back to when I was probably five or seven years old. At my old family house, we later moved out at around age 13, and I'm 24 years old now. The house was quite large. Three levels, three bathrooms, a living room, a big man cave basement, kitchen, dining room, etc. Not that this is important, but it was a large space with lots of action always going on with my siblings and friends coming and going. Super good vibes, never anything paranormal. Just a fun show house. But yeah, three of the bedrooms, mine upstairs at one end of the hallway with my sisters, plus a bathroom and my parents at the other end. One night... On Easter, I saw something. I always slept with my door open. At this time, my bed faced directly into the hallway slash staircase. Directly outside my room to the right was the bathroom, and to the left was my sister's room. And touching the staircase and railing to the exterior bathroom wall was a small coffee table sort of thing. It had a game built inside under the glass. We still have it at my mom's house. Also, it had just a few random decorations on it, nothing strange. So when I woke up, it was sometime in the middle of the night, and moonlight was shining in through the hallway window as usual. A decent amount, enough to somewhat light up the hall and staircase railings so it was not pitch black. Immediately as I woke up, I saw what looked like a super dark black figure. There were no details, just the shape. It was facing away from me on its knees, praying on the coffee table. You know, like the classic prayer stance, on the knees, head bowed down slightly, and hands pressed together. It looked just like a human figure, nothing demonic or anything, 
but the only thing that was different is that it looked like it was wearing a cloak or a hood instead of just a flat-out human shape, if that makes any sense. I was stunned, frozen. I hid under my blanket and went back to sleep eventually. And well, I guess that's it. A couple of other paranormal experiences apparently happened to my mom and some other kid's brother that she used to babysit, but nothing creepy really ever happened to the rest of my siblings. They said they never saw anything in that house or ever felt strange in their 15 plus years there. And to mention, we are not religious at all. No church, no prayers, nothing. I don't really know what happened that night. It's one of the most unexplainable things that have ever happened to me. Maybe it was just because it was Easter that the ghost and spirit was there. I have no idea. But I will never forget it. I hope you guys enjoyed this story, as it was definitely a weird and creepy thing to experience in the moment. Hey Swamp Folk, sorry to interrupt these stories. I just wanted to say before we continue that I really appreciate all of your support that you give this channel and show. If you haven't yet, please hit that like button, give this podcast a 5 star rating, and perhaps share it with your friends. It helps the swamp expand its ever-growing waters. Thanks guys, now let's get back into these stories. Around Easter of 2008, my two best friends and I went to a brocation. John's family had a cabin at Big Bear Lake that we were welcome to stay at for the weekend. It was a beautiful cabin-style home with views of the lake and the forested area behind the house. We did not spend much time in the cabin due to being young and adventurous. Our days were spent driving to Main Street to eat and walk around. On one of the days around lunchtime, we park a block or so from Main Street. Anthony had to use the restroom and decided to make use of the forested area we parked next to. John and I continue to walk toward Main Street. What happened next is by far the most frightening thing I have ever witnessed, and I'm a veteran. I will never forget what occurred. The Main Street was not crowded but obviously busy with people going about their day. Both of us catch a glimpse of a little girl holding her nondescript mother's hand. But this was no child. This girl was wearing a puffy pink coat and her black hair was so long and straight. Her face was pale and skeletal. What caught our attention was her eyes, or lack thereof. Where her eyes should have been were empty black pits. We stood frozen for a moment, trying to grasp and rationalize what we are seeing. That instant, the girl turns her head and looks directly at us. As this happens, John and I grab each other and turn our heads as if we were blinded by a light. The feeling when she looked at us as if she were truly looking through us and burned as she did. When we looked back, she was gone. On cue, Anthony returns and is uncharacteristically unsettled by our expression. We explain to him what happened and simply continue with our day, walking up and down the main street with no further signs of the girl. John and I have talked about this story many times to people. Both of us are skeptics. I still have trouble saying it's a ghost because I simply do not know what it was but having the same paranormal experience at the same time has been really hard to rationalize. Has anyone ever had a similar experience, or does anybody have any knowledge on what it could have been? This is definitely an Easter trip that I'll never forget, that's for sure.
At the time of this event, I was 18, living in a large house in a wealthy area of England. It was the Easter holidays and my parents were away in France, leaving me at home to study for my upcoming exams. I had always enjoyed having the house to myself and was looking forward to being able to cook whatever, watch movies, and study in peace. I had little reason to be fearful as her house was big, modern, and separated from the local village by a very long driveway. I really enjoyed the week. I would eat instant noodles and revise during the day. I would go out with my friends and then watch Netflix till late into the night. We'd had lots of thunderstorms around this time and the heavy rain and wind would set off the burglary alarms much to my annoyance. I never thought anything of it and would dismiss any alarm going off as wind, so I'd sleepily turn it off. On Saturday afternoon, a sound startled me from my revision. It sounded like something had hit one of the stair windows. I turned off my music and listened, thinking I must have imagined it, so I turned my music back on. Five minutes later, there was another noise coming from upstairs. It sounded like something had been knocked over. This time, I jumped up, harp thumping, and racking my head for a plausible explanation, but this time, one wouldn't come. I sat frozen for a few minutes before remembering that I could access the home CCTV imaging from my family computer. I checked the last hour, and there was nothing, so I instantly relaxed and laughed at myself for being so scared. Little did I know my jumpy instincts were about to save me. I started cooking dinner. The kitchen faces a set of glass doors on the far side of the room. It was now nighttime, so the glass reflects the light of the room and attached hallway. I'm in the middle of serving up the food when I glance up to see not only my reflection, but of a man standing in the hallway. He was short and scruffy and had something I could not make out in his hand. He was staring at me through the reflection motionless. My body went into flight mode. I ran across the kitchen to the back door and flung myself through it, running terrified down my road. Fortunately, I had my cell phone on me and called the police. I didn't see the man emerge from the house as I hid behind a bush in the driveway. Everything felt like a blur as the cops checked the house. They found nothing and I started to wonder whether I just imagined it. It wasn't until an hour later that I found out the information that would haunt me for the rest of my life. The police checked the CCTV and found the footage of the man entering the house. He entered on Thursday night, two days before this incident happened. The unwanted housemate was found soon after and identified as a local homeless person. The incident was expected to be a burglary gone wrong. He was sentenced and is no longer a threat. However, I will never be comfortable being home alone again. A few times throughout my life I've had things mysteriously vanish only to turn up days or even months later with no explanation as to where they have been or how they've reappeared. It's been a few years since anything like this has happened to me, until recently. For context, I'm a backpacker in Australia and in March this year I headed to Kangaroo Island to volunteer in bushfire affected areas with an organization called Blaze Aid. While there, I lived in a tent in their makeshift campsite, which was actually the local cricket club grounds. My tent was a last-minute purchase, as I'd originally been told that they would have a spare tent I could use, and then the day before arriving at camp, I was told I would need to buy one, which resulted in me having to buy the only affordable tent left in stock in Adelaide's Target, a $39 teepee tent that sleeps four people. 
This tent, although pretty crappy, was spacious and allowed me to spread all of my belongings out. Bear in mind, I live out of a couple of backpacks, so it was nice to have a floor drobe for once. As coronavirus became an issue in the rest of the world, we were isolated from it all on that small island. But we were told as interstate borders were shutting off and the future of the camp was uncertain, if we have somewhere safe to go, we should leave ASAP. I had met a fellow volunteer who had offered me his spare room in his house in the city, and I agreed to take him up on that offer to have somewhere safe and warm to wait out the pandemic until I can get home. Two days before leaving, it was a sunny, warm day, so the camp coordinators organized a barbecue for everyone, and we set up one long table outside in the sun. My friend and I got there a little later than everyone else, and the only seats that were left were the side facing the sun so we both agreed to go and grab our sunglasses so we could actually enjoy the meal and talk to those who sat opposite to us. We run to our tents, hers is next to mine, and look for our sunnies. I put everything out of my backpack, searched through the floor drobe, even lifted up. I can't find it anywhere. I have no idea where they went. I was kind of pissed off as they were new after losing my last pair in Perth. But I went and had dinner making a mental note to make sure I put my sunglasses somewhere specific in my bag when I find them. The next day, I take everything out of my tent to get ready to pack up. I empty my bags out completely, do all of my washing, remove the mattress and bedding, everything. No sunglasses. I repack my bags several times before leaving and conclude I must have lost them somewhere along the way, and I just have bad luck with sunglasses. Fast forward to a week later, and I've moved into this guy's spare room. My room is in a separate little building at the end of his garden, and I've half unpacked all of my clothes as and when I've needed them, but I decided that since coronavirus is probably going to be around for a little while longer, I might as well get comfortable and unpack fully. My backpack is on the floor in the middle of the room. I opened it, and there, on top of all my stuff, are my sunglasses. As if someone had just placed them there and zipped my bag back up, I was a little freaked out and messaged my friend who started freaking out too. I was glad to have found them and eventually I just chalked it up to a weird experience. Then, things got even weirder. Not long after it was Easter. The guy I'm staying with has a kid who he shares custody with with his ex. He's a really great kid, 7 years old, very well behaved and a lot of fun to be around. Easter morning comes around and his dad has gone a little overboard with the Easter eggs and his kid has a whole bucket load of them, all different sizes. Now, this kid is great and all, but he's a little strange in the fact that he isn't really interested in chocolate. He likes it, but he doesn't turn into a little sugar demon like most kids do when they have a bucket full of Easter eggs in their hands. He's more happy to share them with us and isn't really focused or fussed about eating them. He puts the bucket on his bed, and we play games in the living room, and we have a good day together. Then, after dinner, his dad tells him he can have an Easter egg for dinner if he wants. He goes into his room, then comes back to the living room looking confused, saying that all the small Easter eggs have disappeared. We laugh it off, saying he must have misplaced them or they've fallen into the bottom of the bucket. So we tip it out, and sure enough, there are only medium and larger size ones in there. We search his room, under his bed, even in between the bed sheets, and there's nothing. We asked if he's just tricking us, and he starts to get upset, insisting he has no idea where they've gone. Our next thought was maybe the dogs ate them. He does have two chocolate labs, ironically enough. 
but there is no way the dogs could have managed to eat them without us noticing, without tipping the bucket over or something. And why would they have specifically chosen to eat the small eggs when there were much bigger eggs on top? Even still, we kept an eye on the dogs and an eye out for any foil in their poop, but there was absolutely nothing. When this kid was at his mom's house, we did a full-on search of the house thinking maybe he was just having a laugh or had forgotten where he had put them. Nothing. Twenty or so small Easter eggs had just vanished. We still don't know what happened to them. I never told this guy about my missing sunglasses because I thought it would just freak him and his kid out. But I get the feeling these eggs will reappear soon and questions will be raised once more. This story isn't necessarily a horror story, more of a strange occurrence. But I think it fits your show. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true Easter stories. I hope you enjoyed these stories. Many of these were a bit more strange than scary, but I enjoyed sharing them nonetheless. I hope you all have a safe and fun Easter weekend, and be sure to save me some chocolate. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps the show grow on YouTube. The more likes this video gets, the more YouTube promotes it to fresh new eyes in the algorithm. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Spotify or another podcast platform, please give this a 5-star rating as it helps the show grow over there a ton. If you have an allegedly true, scary story that you would like to share on the show, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories wherever you are, you can download them absolutely free. From iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Audible, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. And like I said, it's absolutely free, and always will be. Thank you guys as always for supporting the Swamp the way you do. If you'd like to help the Swamp out outside of hitting that like button and subscribing, maybe check out the merch store. I have everything from face masks to t-shirts to hoodies and more. I'd love to see you guys in some cool Swamp threads. I appreciate you guys always supporting the Swamp. I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video. Before this video ends, be sure to comment down below what was your favorite story tonight.